All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the final, final podcast here. It has been a while since my last podcast. I apologize for that. The NFL had some shuffling of the games, if you remember, from those weeks four through seven or eight or I don't know. So my schedule was kind of all over the place and I couldn't get back into routine of doing this. And then more the the bigger fact was that the, the pandemic hit me again with another shot of absolute laziness and I was just a bum there for a couple of weeks and so that it kind of explains my very long layoff in between podcast episodes and man I did I pick a poor time to skip some podcast episodes and get lazy there for a little bit because there was a lot of great stuff to talk about from the two Los Angeles teams winning their respective championships between the Dodgers and the Lakers then of course college football had started and stopped for some but then started again and now is starting to stop and some cancellations are popping up for college football again. The NFL continued to roll on with a ton of great games, content to talk about, and, and even with all the early shuffling that I mentioned with the, with the scheduling, but still a lot of stuff that I missed with the with my long layoff here in between episodes, but we'll be able to catch up with some of that today and, and hopefully I won't have another long layoff like this again. We'll get into all of that mostly a catch-up episode today, and then hopefully next week I'll pull myself out of this little funk and we'll get back to the weekly episodes and the current talk of the MLB and the NBA as they look forward to next season. And while we still continue on with this current NFL season, hopefully college football can continue their current season and get themselves to the finish line here. The NFL so far seems to be doing okay. Like I, like I mentioned, they had those early weeks, I think it was between maybe like weeks three and, and eight or four and eight or something like that, where there was some shuffling of games, some games being moved to Tuesday night, some games getting pushed back to Monday night. We even had Thursday games moved to Sunday and everything like that. We had it all switched around. But luckily, the NFL now has just decided to start playing some of these games out, even if guys do test positive. I mean, we had the, the 49ers and the Packers on a Thursday night game where the 49ers had I think one guy test positive on Tuesday. They had like four guys that are main contributors to their team considered close contact to the guy to the person that tested positive. So they weren't allowed then to suit up for that Thursday game, but then they were cleared on Friday. The NFL still didn't push it back a day. They didn't push it back till Sunday, which they did earlier in the season. So they're they're pushing on right now. I mean other and we're seeing right now for college football and on the other hand where we're starting to see some games get canceled in the Big Ten. We'll get to this later, but, for example, Wisconsin had to cancel two games because of a, of a COVID outbreak. But so far, sports have continued on. College football has moved game to game so far, even with some games being canceled and some that won't be able to be rescheduled, either with the way the schedules have been set up for each of these conferences. We'll discuss that more as we come into it. But like I said... What a poor time for me to uh, kind of get lazy there and kind of sink down for a little bit. But don't worry, I think I've come back and we'll, we'll get back into a regular schedule here today. Like I mentioned, we'll kind of catch up with some of the big things that I missed. So we'll wrap up the MLB season right now. We'll start since they also have just gotten out their major award winners for their shortened season this week. We got Cy Young winners. We've got MVP winners. We got Rookie of the Year winners. We'll discuss those. Also with the Dodgers winning the World Series for the first time since 1988. We'll get into that and wrap up the MLB season. We'll finish off the 2020 NBA season and quickly then pivot to the 2021 season 
which will be upon us sooner than expected, I think, for a lot of people, especially for some of these players. We'll catch up with the college football news. I just mentioned a lot of it there. We'll also recap the first half of the NFL season as we are about to start Week 10. So every team now has played at least half of their games so far this season with bye weeks, with cancellations, not cancellations, we haven't had any NFL cancellations, but with postponements. So we'll talk about that. We'll recap the first half there. Then we'll wrap up this episode with some golf talk because it's 2020 and we have the Masters being played in November. Of course we do. (laughs) But so lots to get through. Glad to be back here and doing this and hopefully you'll be able to stick with me through this whole episode. Probably going to be on the longer side, but that's all right. We'll be excited and and we'll have a lot of fun with, with all this stuff that we get caught up with. So let's go ahead and get started then. Let's start with Major League Baseball. Like I said, we all know by now the Los Angeles Dodgers won their first World Series since 1988. Long time coming for this pristine franchise who's also been to the World Series three out of the last four years. So they got over the hump and got that win, defeating the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. Corey Seager, the young shortstop who was able to stay healthy this whole year for the Los Angeles Dodgers was your World Series MVP. One guy that I was super happy for, and I've kind of been a fan of his for a while. I actually got to see him pitch one time in Miller Park when I was still in Wisconsin, was Clayton Kershaw. This guy has been, is going to go down as one of the all-time greatest pitchers in the history of the game. I mean, I believe he's got three Cy Young Awards. He's got an MVP award, and now he's got a World Series championship as well. And this guy has always had that reputation of being a poor postseason pitcher and I went back and, and I kind of argued this with one of my friends for a little bit and I said yeah he's had the few games where of course he gives up the big maybe five or six runs or I think one point he even gave up seven runs in four innings or something like that but overall you look at the body of work he has definitely improved since those early narratives and I'm glad that now he he did really well in this postseason as well against some of the teams he the, the Rays the Atlanta Braves even the Brewers um, but still, I, th- I think now that he's got this World Series trophy in his case as well, along next to those Cy Youngs and that MVP award, that that's something that's off his back. And now people will stop kind of defining him once he gets to the playoffs as maybe a poor playoff performer. Because the last couple of years, I've seen Clayton Kershaw pitch extremely well in the postseason. And he did it again this year, helping the Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series. Like I said before, They've been there three out of the last four times, losing to the Astros, and then now here we go, losing to the or beating the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, the one to the Astros, a lot of people thought that that was one where the Dodgers should have won because we now know that the Astros cheated in that season. But still, the Dodgers come away as World Series champions. We know this, and it's just great. I mean, I live out here in L.A. now. We had, I think, the, the Dodgers won first, and then the Lakers won. We had fireworks both nights. No no huge parades. I mean, I'm sure you saw on social media some of the gatherings at Staples Center when the when the Lakers won, which we'll get to in a second. But I mean, it's I wish I I wish it wasn't a pandemic, of course everybody does, but for when LA won these two championships, I don't know. I I haven't been in 2010 when I was in uh when the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl. I was only goodness, what is it? 13. So not something that you really celebrate in terms of the way that a lot of people talk about it with the downtown and the the parade and stuff like that. I don't know if there was a parade in Green Bay for us rule, but still in Los Angeles, now that I'm 24 years old, 
with back-to-back champions between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Los Angeles Lakers, I think that would have been one of the coolest things to experience would have been some kind of party or parade like that downtown in Los Angeles. And here we've kind of been stripped of that, unfortunately. But still, Los Angeles Dodgers winning the World Series, very cool. And now here we are this week. We've got our Cy Young and MVP winners. Mookie Betts, one of the heroes for the Los Angeles Dodgers, was in the running for the National League MVP. That ended up going to Freddie Freeman, the first baseman. On the American League side, Jose Abreu, the AL MVP. I asked a couple of my friends what they thought about this. I mean, it's hard. I don't know how. You don't really put an asterisk next to an MVP season like this. I mean, maybe you put a little asterisk next to some of the stats, but you you can still hand out a most valuable player in a season with only 60 games because, I mean, you can still have the best player in those 60 games. But some of the stats, I hope, don't get a little... uh, exaggerated in terms of this season he batted this or this season he had this many home runs kind of deal but Freddie Freeman and Jose Abreu Jose Abreu helping the White Sox get back to the playoffs for the first time in boy how many years has it been it's been at least I think close to eight years eight plus years or something so the White Sox getting back to the playoffs Freddie Freeman listen to this story on Freddie Freeman's season he didn't start the first couple games of the season, or he wasn't at least in their, their shortened spring training camp because he had the COVID-19 virus. He actually was really sick from it. He had some of the major symptoms and, and thought, oh my goodness, how bad is this going to get for me? He wasn't sure if he'd be able to return to baseball this season or maybe in, in season's future. He was able to get healthy. He was able to come back and get cleared. And here he comes now as the National League MVP. I mean, that's just a one of the few victories in 2020 this season is Freddie Freeman's ride through through the coronavirus and then here to the National League MVP. I mean, happy to see that for him there, which is great. For the Cy Young for the Best Pitcher Award, we've got the National League with Trevor Bauer winning it there for the Reds. I mean, coming over from the Indians, and look at this, the American League Cy Young winner, Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians. So two former, or I'm sorry, two Indians players won now with the Reds. Trevor Bauer was lights out this year. I mean, there was some competition between you, Darvish. And then, of course, Jacob deGrom is always in the discussion. I'm kind of glad, though, that it didn't go to deGrom because I just feel like that would have been a cop-out at this point because, yeah, he might be the best pitcher in baseball, but I'm sure guys have put up better stats. I mean, you, you get that with – you see that kind of fatigue come out when we talk about MVPs in the NBA, in the NFL. I mean, the NBA, we talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Should they have won the MVP every season? You do the same thing when it comes to these pitching awards and these Cy Youngs. I mean, Jacob deGrom might be the best pitcher, but sometimes guys have better seasons and you see the fatigue of voting for the same guy because it can get boring. And it happens actually in baseball too with Mike Trout. Mike Trout has three MVPs, and I believe this year he finished in the top five. Once again, I think he was fourth. But he has finished in the top five of the MVP voting for is it eight or nine straight years it might be every year since he's entered baseball except for one season he was shortened due to injury but eight or nine straight years he's been in the top five of MVP voting I mean he's probably deserved it he's got three of them he's probably deserved it six times right but people want other MVPs and wanted to have that kind of discussion so it's always interesting to me and I was glad that we have another Cy Young winner and Trevor Bauer this year other than Jacob deGrom So that's kind of uh, where we are with the MLB season. The Dodgers winning the World Series. 
We've got our Cy Young Award winners. We've got our MVPs. And then here, this came out today, and I, I'm going to feel really bad when I say this woman's name because I'm afraid I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best here. Kim Ang was named the first woman general manager of any American major sports franchise. That means baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. Kim Ang, I believe I'm saying her name right, was named the next general manager of the Miami Marlins starting next season. So that is just great for the sport of baseball. The first female GM. I'm sure she's going to do a great job. They actually have the manager of the year, the Miami Marlins, for making the postseason. I don't know if you remember from way back when in some of my older podcasts now. I was talking about how it was hilarious that the Marlins ended up making the postseason in this shortened 60-game baseball season. But here they are. They, they made the postseason. They actually beat the Chicago Cubs in the first round, making it to the next round of the postseason as well. They've got the manager of the year. Now they've got the first woman GM of the year. A lot of people were making fun of the Marlins. I was one of them. Derek Jeter, when he took over of operations there, they seem to be doing all right and proving everybody wrong right now. Pretty impressive stuff. And I hope we all wish the best to Kim Ang. Man, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. As she becomes the first woman general manager in any major American sports franchise. Really cool stuff. So that just came out today as well in terms of baseball. So that kind of wraps up our 2020 season as the Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series over the Tampa Bay Rays. Very cool, very cool. All right, so let's go ahead and then move on and wrap up the 2020 NBA season because we have to move on to the 2021 season soon. I didn't think it was going to be coming up this quickly, but they actually have voted. I believe the Players Players Association for the NBA has voted, and the season is going to start, is projected to start on December 22nd. I believe that's about six weeks from now. And I think the reason that they are trying to start this early is because they want the Christmas games this season. Christmas games are always a huge deal for the NBA. So by starting on December 22nd, they'll be able to have their five Christmas games. It's going to be interesting because we're going to have five NBA Christmas games, and we're actually going to have an NFL game on Christmas Day as well, so some competition there. Plenty of sports for everybody on Christmas, if that's what you're looking for. But still, I think that's why, actually, I don't think, I'm pretty sure I know that's why they're going to be starting the NBA season so soon. But that's a pretty quick turnaround for teams like the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat, who were in the finals this year. We obviously know the Los Angeles Lakers ended up as NBA champions, winning in six games. Like I mentioned, two LA teams winning the championships, the Dodgers and the Lakers. Man, this pandemic just had to ruin one hell of a party, didn't they? (laughs) But anyways, LeBron James wins his fourth finals MVP between him and Anthony Davis. LeBron James gets it. Now he has four. Puts him in rare air. He was already in rare air. If you thought I was going to take this time to discuss LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, you were incorrect. I have mentioned this before. I will never have that debate in terms of who is the GOAT. I will discuss their stats and their impact on their teams and stuff, but I won't have that GOAT debate. So nice try if you were trying to bait me into that. But still, the Los Angeles Lakers defeating the Miami Heat. Now the big question is, can they repeat next season as NBA champions? A lot of teams are going to be making some moves this offseason. Well, we'll see on the moves that come up this offseason, some speculation going around out there. Some teams that will be looking to trade are the Houston Rockets. 
They got a new head coach. They fired their general manager. They've got a couple of superstars that might not be working together. One superstar might be wanting out, meaning in Russell Westbrook. We'll see what goes on there. Philadelphia 76ers, they might be looking to split up their two superstars in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They got a new head coach as well. They got a new general manager. Los Angeles Clippers, are they going to be a one-and-done trying it out with this Paul George Kawhi Leonard thing? There's a lot of what-ifs and what could happen before the season starts to determine if the Lakers can repeat next season. Are they going to not blow it up, but are they going to make some significant changes to their team as well? I mean, they have a couple of trade assets. They need to sign, re-sign some key guys and, and maybe get some guys back. So we'll see. But, I mean, right now it's hard to – I never like to bet against a reigning champion in, in any sport unless there's been some, like, major changes. So, like, when the Miami Heat won with LeBron James and then LeBron James left for Cleveland. That's an obvious situation where you can be like, okay, I don't think the Miami Heat are still going to be the favorites going into next season. But the Lakers right now have the crown. LeBron James is still at, what is he, 37, 36, 35 He's still probably the best player in the NBA, but will he'll it'll be a really exciting. I think they're going to be in 72 games. I think it's going to be shortened from 82 to 72 for this season because of the late start. They're going to get try. They're going to try and get back on track with their regular scheduling and stuff like that. But we'll have Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets fully healthy. Knock on wood that Kevin Durant can stay healthy and Kyrie Irving and and the Brooklyn Nets will be a competitive team. Knock on wood, we'll have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson back for Golden State. So this will be a much more competitive run towards the NBA championship, I think, for the Lakers. They didn't have to deal with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I mean, who knows if Brooklyn would have came out of the East. But, I mean, and then and now you'll see if Milwaukee makes a change with Giannis, possibly, because, I mean, they still haven't signed him to that Supermax contract that they're hoping to do. That locks him in there for six years or whatever it is. So we'll see, but it'll be tough. They've got two of the top five players in the NBA right now in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So we'll see if LeBron can go for that fifth NBA championship. Other news with the NBA is their draft is next week. And I haven't been paying, I don't pay much attention to the NBA draft because I don't think NBA rookies can have as much impact as in other sports, like say maybe. Well, baseball, a guy can be a rookie for like three years. But the NFL, you, you kind of see some of these things. But rookies, you, you don't see a ton of them make the postseason and have that big of an impact. But, I mean, the, the one thing that you have to pay attention to when it comes to this NBA draft is the fact that there is another ball brother in this draft. And he's potentially, he's actually been, I've seen him at most going number one in most of these mock drafts that I've been seeing. And that is LaMelo Ball little brother to Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball now with the New Orleans Pelicans. And so we'll see if LaMelo Ball, I believe it's next week, Wednesday, if he'll go number one. His brother Lonzo went number two. So, I mean, that is the the, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to for the NBA draft. I don't care who else goes where. I just want to see where LaMelo Ball goes and to see if uh, how LaVar, their father, handles it this time and see how it how it goes with uh, we all remember how it happened when Lonzo was in LA then he got traded Lavar was all of a sudden the the media star we'll see if that's still the case 
when it comes to his youngest son, LaMelo, this time. And if he's a first-round pick, I believe he's a point guard. So we'll see. And, and it seems like teams are definitely eyeing to get him as, as he's been projected number one. We've heard teams looking to move up to get this guy. <laughs> so that'll be fun to see, and, and we'll see will he, where he ends up. And so then the other thing as well, with the 2021 NBA season rapidly approaching, you have to talk about some of the free agents that could be on the move or teams looking to trade other guys. I mentioned a big one already in Russell Westbrook. There's been a lot of reports that he's not happy with the way Houston could be moving on, or not moving on, but could be going in their direction. Like I said, they have a new head coach. They're going to have a new general manager. Do him and James Harden work well together? It There seem to be rough patches throughout the regular season and then in the playoffs with these two as well they're both ball dominant offensive guards so i mean who who knows we'll see if there's been rumors of him going to the knicks of him going to the clippers possibly who knows but russell westbrook i i would bet that he would possibly be on the move this season because i don't think russell westbrook and james harden work too well together like i said they both need the ball in their hand they're both guys that will put up 35 points and 10 assists but that's not necessarily the winning formula when they're both on the floor together. So I don't think we'll see them on the floor together come the start of next season. Other big names too. Chris Paul somehow willed the young Oklahoma City Thunder team to the playoffs. They now be they now may be looking to move him and get more pieces. They already have so many picks from when they traded Paul George to the Clippers. They had they got like four first round picks from that deal. So Chris Paul may be looking to move and get to a team that can help him or he can help win a championship. He hasn't won a championship yet in his 15-year career, so that could be something that he's looking to do. Chris Paul, I've been heard rumored to the Suns. That was a big one. To the Clippers and Lakers, to the Bucks as well. So we'll see if Chris Paul gets moved. Victor Oladipo is another one. He just came out and said that he's committed to playing to the Indiana Pacers. That could be a guy. He struggled with injuries in recent years so that could be someone that the Pacers are looking to move they've been kind of stuck in that limbo spot in the playoffs where they can make the second round but they haven't been able to make the conference championship or they've been kind of stuck in that first second round spot but they're not dropping low enough in the draft or they're not getting up high enough so they might need to make a big change Victor Oladipo could possibly be that guy two other names that I think Blake Griffin of the Detroit Pistons could be looking to move somewhere and Ben Simmons as well, as he hasn't been working out as well as they've hoped in Philadelphia with him and Joel Embiid. Like I said, and, and a big thing with a lot of these guys moving or or possibly getting traded is new coach and new general manager. Philadelphia has it. Houston has it. Oklahoma City is getting a new head coach. The Los Angeles Clippers have a new head coach. The Brooklyn Nets have a new head coach. A lot of teams with these new head coaches and new general managers, they want to get the players that they want into their systems there. So that's why you could see some of the shuffling. I don't know how much it's going to work and how much is going to get done because of the pandemic and the coronavirus, how much that complicates things. But those are some of the big names that could possibly be on the move before the start of the 2021 NBA season. So that kind of wraps up the NBA, the 2020 NBA season, at least with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers winning I think, what are they up to now? 17? 17 NBA championships for that franchise. LeBron James getting his fourth, his fourth finals MVP. I think he was averaging near 28 points and almost nine rebounds and nine assists, so something like that. But 
getting it over the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are a really interesting team. I think they are going to be in the championship contenders for years to come. And the reason is they have so many young guys on this team. They can make a big move in free agency if they want, trying to trade for for another big-name player. But even if they don't, these guys have just made it to the NBA Finals, so they'll be they'll be around for a couple of years to come, I think. But I just can't wait for this 2021 NBA season. There are going to be so many good teams. I mean, in the East, you'll have the Miami Heat, as mentioned, the Milwaukee Bucks still with Giannis there, the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We didn't get to see that at all last year, so that'll be really fun to see how KD and Kyrie kind of work together and see how they lead that Brooklyn Nets team with the new head coach, Steve Nash, the former MVP of the Phoenix Suns. He's going to be the head coach of those two, so that should be a really interesting team and fun to watch. So those three teams will still have the Philadelphia 76ers with Joel Embiid. They now have head coach Doc Rivers coaching them. He got let go from the Los Angeles Clippers, moved immediately to Philadelphia. So that should be, those are the top four teams, in my opinion, from the East. Oh, and the Boston Celtics. How could I forget the Boston Celtics? So those are the top five teams. I don't know what order you want to put them in, but the Celtics just got off uh, NBA Eastern Conference Finals run, and they lost to the, the Miami Heat, the eventual runner-up in the NBA Finals. But still, those those five teams, that's the East right there. That looks pretty strong and fun. On the West, then, you've got a multitude of teams as well. You've got the Lakers and Clippers, of course, probably the top two. The Denver Nuggets, boy, are they exciting. I mean, Jamal Murray, who was maybe this postseason's kind of breakout star and, and fun fun superstar to watch, he's only like 23 or 24. He's my age. Then you've got Nikola Jokic. He's only like 26. So Denver is another team. That's three right there. Golden State Warriors, they'll be back and healthy, hopefully, knock on wood, with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. We'll see if they make a big deal as well. They actually have the second overall pick in this year's draft, which doesn't seem fair with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but they do. So the Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets, if they keep their team together, and then the Dallas Mavericks, which is another fun team with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. If those two young, budding superstars can stay healthy, they'll be in the mix as well to maybe get to the second round, maybe see if they can work their way up and surprise some teams and, and get into the, even a conference championship. I think it's a little early for them, but still, they're that dangerous. They just took the Clippers to six games. So it's just, I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited for the 2021 NBA season to start. A lot of teams, the reason that they, there was a lot of discussion on when they should start the season, should it be in January, possibly push back to February? Should it be for the Christmas games in December? A lot of it obviously has to do with coronavirus and, and when, because they want fans in the stadiums. I believe the Golden State Warriors are actually spending upwards of $30 million on precautions and testing and safety measures so that they can have close to, what do they say, 10,000 fans? Something something close to 10,000 fans at their home games. They I think they would block off the first, like courtside seats. I don't think they would have that, but they would have... They would be able to get 10,000 fans in the stands, have maybe rapid testing, maybe these certain safety measures or whatnot, but they're trying to spend up to $30 million, up to or over $30 million to have these safety measures in place by the time the season starts. So that was a big factor in when they should start the season, but I can't wait for it. All these great teams. I also can't wait to see if some of these superstars get moves. I always like seeing um, some guys in, in some new places and see how it works out for them. So we'll see. 
that's their kind of wrap up for the 2020 NBA season. LeBron James champion once again. Let's move on now to 2021 and see what we get from there. All righty. Let's see. Where are we at now? Let's get to our NFL midseason recap. Let's get to the standings of the NFL right now. We'll take a look at where we are. The NFC, or I'm sorry, the AFC. We'll start there with that conference. Right now, it's Pittsburgh is the remaining unbeaten team, the only remaining unbeaten team at 8-0. They've had a couple of close ones just this past week. They... <laughs> Believe it or not, they almost lost to the Dallas Cowboys, who were on their fourth starting quarterback, Dak Prescott. Oh, my goodness, just what a horrific leg injury. I think it was his ankle. It was just twisted all out of place in week, what was it, week four, week three or something like that. So the Cowboys have kind of gone down the tank since since uh, Dak Prescott has been injured. They, they had Andy Dalton as their backup. He got injured then as well. Even when he was there, though, he wasn't very... Uh, impressive or anything like that but Andy Dalton has been injured so then they went to a sixth round rookie who then immediately got benched for an American football or what was it AAF quarterback Garrett Gilbert who was playing in the American Alliance Football League or or Alliance America I can't even think of remember the the league name but one of those leagues like the XFL this guy was playing in it just before the pandemic ruined it or or something else ruined it, but still, that that's where this guy was playing, and now he's playing for the Dallas Cowboys. So you, as you can tell, they're they're two and seven. But the Pittsburgh Steelers almost lost to them this past weekend. They still remain undefeated. You also got Kansas City rolling along eight and one. I'm pretty sure I had them in my projections at like what fourteen and two. So that seems to be holding up pretty nicely right now. <laughs> but then you've got the Buffalo Bills at seven and two. They have they, they've been hot and cold. They are re, really riding a hot streak right now after they just beat the Seattle Seahawks, putting up 44 points on them right there. So they're seven and two, leading the AFC East. And then you've got Baltimore, Indianapolis, and Tennessee, all with six wins. So the AFC is looking really good right now. The way the play they, they've got seven teams in the playoffs right now, could be up to eight teams per conference. We'll discuss that in a second here. But right now, where it's at: Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo. Indianapolis. Those would be your four division winners right now. And then your three wildcard teams would be Baltimore. Can you believe it? Baltimore last year, 13 and three season. And right now they're, they're possibly a wildcard team, but Baltimore would be a wildcard team. The Tennessee Titans would be a wildcard team. And the Las Vegas Raiders actually, believe it or not, would be a wildcard team. They have competition though from the Browns. Browns are, are tied at five wins with the Raiders. And the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins right now riding a four-game winning streak. They've switched over and have Tua Tagovailoa as their starting quarterback now. They have a four-game winning streak. They have four games coming up where their opponent, their opponents are below 500 with their record. So the Miami Dolphins could potentially sneak into the playoffs this year and still get a top-five pick. I was just talking to a friend of mine at work. He's a Dolphins fan, and we just went over the scenario. I'm like, all right. Here's, here's the best-case scenario for the Dolphins. They make the playoffs, and then they still get a top-five pick because the Houston Texans continue to struggle this year. The Dolphins get the Houston Texans' first-round pick in that Laramie Tunsil trade from two years ago that is seemingly haunting the Texans right now. So the Miami Dolphins could end up in the playoffs and a top-five pick in this coming upcoming NFL draft, which would just be a huge win for the Dolphins. And, and, and right now, they're on the cusp of making one of those seven playoff seats. So that's very cool. That's your AFC, how it rolls out right now in the NFC. 
We have four teams atop the NFC with six wins. That's the New Orleans Saints, the Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New Orleans just swept and handed Tom Brady and the Buccaneers their lunch this past Sunday. I mean, goodness, Tom Brady with three interceptions. I think that's like his first three-interception game in like a decade. But the Saints absolutely dominating the Buccaneers this past Sunday, winning 38-3. to That puts them atop the NFC. Seattle just got it handed to them themselves. They have the worst pass defense in NFL history in the Super Bowl era. Right now, the, 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 the Green Bay Packers in 2011 when they went 15-1, and one, that is the worst pass defense in NFL history, giving up, I think it was close to, what was it, 300 yards passing a game. Right now, the Seahawks are 100 yards worse than that. They're giving up almost 400 yards passing per game. They would just blow that record out of the water. They're 6-2. and two. They just got it handed to them by the Buffalo Bills, but they got some serious issues there that they need to work out. Russell Wilson having four turnovers. They're still 6-2. and two. They're atop the NFC East. They're the number two seed in terms of the, the, the NFC right now, but still, that's a big concern. Green Bay, they're 6-2. and two. Their two losses come against the Buccaneers, where they got it handed to them, and then they also lost to Delvin Cook and the Vikings. And then Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they're sitting there at 6-3. and three. They would be a wild-card team right now with New Orleans leading their division. The other three teams that would be in the playoffs would be the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams, <laughs> and then the Philadelphia Eagles. I almost forgot they're so far down there. But they would be your fourth division winner at 3-4-1 and one right now. The team that would be left out on this bubble would be the Chicago Bears at 5-4. and four. They have five wins. They're the seventh-best team in the in the conference. But the Philadelphia Eagles are winning their division at 3-4-1, and one, so that would put them in. The three worst teams in the NFC right now, New York Giants, Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team, all with two wins, all at the bottom of the NFC. One of them, it's going to be the Eagles. But one of them, one of those three has got to separate themselves a little bit, you would think. But man, that division has just been a joke this whole season. It's so funny. And it's just, it's hard to watch. I, I do like Mike McCarthy, but man, watching the Cowboys struggle week in and week out always just brings a slight smile to my face. It's hard because I, I, Mike McCarthy, the former coach of the Packers, but man, do I love watching the Cowboys struggle right now. So that's, that's pretty fun to watch. But that is how, that's where we stand right now at the halfway point in this NFL season. I'll tell you, the, the teams that impress me the most. Kansas City, they have impressed me. Their one loss was a shootout to the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost called them Oakland. To the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, Pat Mahomes, I think, threw his one and only interception of the season in that game. But Kansas City, is their offense is good. It's so good. The, the creativity that they're able to come up with week in and week out with Andy Reid and offensive quarter, coordinator Eric Bieniemy has just blown everybody's mind and has blown my mind. They've just rolled to 8-1. and one. It seems like other than that Las Vegas loss, it doesn't really seem like they've been challenged in many of their games. Pittsburgh, of course, has been impressive. They've had some close games. They almost lost a game also to the Baltimore Ravens, where if Lamar Jackson doesn't have four turnovers, a pick six in that game as well, the Ravens possibly win there, and then we don't have any undefeated teams. But, of course, Pittsburgh at 8-0 at this point, their best start in franchise history by the way, which is, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a very impressive franchise. This is their best start in franchise history. 
you got to put them up there as one of your more impressive teams. In the NFC, somehow the Saints, I don't know how, but they just, they've just they seemed to underwhelm in a lot of these games. Like they've been close or they've clawed their way to a win. They've been without Michael Thomas for most of this season. But here they sit atop the NFC. I mean, they have a fantastic defense, which nobody expected. And everybody's been questioning Drew Brees, whether he can still throw the football. Just because he's not throwing it 30 yards downfield doesn't mean he still can't get it done. And we've seen that week in and week out. So the Saints are there. The Packers, I think, are really impressive this season. They had one dud of a game against the Buccaneers, and then their defense still has some worries with the run team, with the run defense, but I think they'll be able to uh, get that corrected. It's just tackling. They just don't seem to tackle sometimes. It's very frustrating to watch as a fan for sure. But those are those. if I were to choose my top three teams or my top four teams, I think I would go one, Kansas City Chiefs would be the, the number one team in the NFL, Pittsburgh Steelers at number two, then put the New Orleans Saints at number three, the Green Bay Packers at number four, and then I would either I would probably put the Buffalo Bills inside the top five of teams in the NFL. Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Seattle, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. Those would probably round out about the top ten then. But those top five teams, it's it's been a lot of fun this season. And and, and it's just only gonna get better from this point on. We're gonna have some great matchups coming down the stretch as well. Like, for example, in Week 10 here, some of the matchups that we got, we've got the Bills and the Cardinals. Kyler Murray has been playing lights out this season. A lot of people are starting to, not uh, not question, but are starting to say that Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. He's putting up better numbers right now than Lamar did last year in his MVP season. The team doesn't have the same kind of record to show for it as the Ravens did last year, but right now they're 5-3. and three. I think Kyler Murray is on pace to throw for 4,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards. I think he has eight rushing touchdowns right now, which is tied for the NFL League in terms of everybody, obviously the most by a quarterback in the NFL right now. But if he's on pace to throw for 4,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards, that would blow Lamar Jackson's last year out of the water. So, I mean, Bills and Cardinals in this game, in this Week 10 game, is going to be exciting. We've got the Seahawks and the Rams. Seahawks got a lot of questions that they need to answer this week after their defense gave up over 400 yards passing to Josh Allen. Russell Wilson came off of a four-turnover game. I mean, but the Seahawks still atop of that NFC West. If they lose this game to the Rams, I think that would put the Rams atop the NFC West. The NFC West is looking like possibly the best division in football. If it weren't for the 49ers having all those injuries, they just lost George Kittle. Probably for the season, Jimmy Garoppolo is most likely done for the season. Nick Bosa is already done for the season. They've had injury after injury at wide receiver as well. Now on their offensive line is starting to get depleted. But look at this division. They've got the Seahawks at the top at six and two. You got the Rams at five and three. You got the Cardinals at five and three. And then even the 49ers with all of those injuries are four and five. They're still able to find ways to win. Kind of just seems like Kyle Shanahan can find a running back turn him into a superstar, turn him into especially a fantasy superstar week in and week out, and here they are at 4-5. and five. You take the NFC West, their fourth place team is 4-5. and five. The NFC East, on the other hand, their first place team is 3-4-1. and one. Something's got to change there. We got to put like Dallas in the NFC West and put like the Cardinals in the NFC East. I don't know why. I know they're way out west, but just just to mix it up and get a good team in that NFC East division. But still. 
But I mean that that NFC West is really tough. So I mean we got the Seahawks, Rams this week, 49ers, Saints. We remember you remember this game last year. Of course, it's two different teams now with the 49ers being completely devastated with injuries and, and COVID, of course. But still, I mean, 49ers Saints last year was was a 48-45 win for the 49ers. That's always going to be a fun one to watch. Buccaneers and Panthers. Panthers have kind of surprised some people. Unfortunately, we won't get Christian McCaffrey in this game. He's going to be out again after just returning from injury. But still, can Tom Brady and the Buccaneers kind of bounce back after that embarrassing 38-3 loss? And then here's a fun one. This is the game that I get to do the highlight for this upcoming weekend. Chargers and Dolphins. Justin Herbert, Tua Tugavailoa, the fifth and sixth overall pick in this past draft. We'll see. I mean, Tua Tugavailoa off to a 2-0 start. Justin Herbert, I mean, 1-6 as the starter for the Chargers, but, I mean, they've lost almost all of their games by, like, one possession. They have, like, 16 or 15 one-possession losses since last year. These guys are kind of turning into like the Detroit Lions of when it comes to losing these close games. I mean, the Lions do it too. It's so frustrating watching the, I mean, what was it? Week one, they were up big on the Bears. The Bears came back, then they had a chance to win it, and they had a drop touchdown in the end zone. They had big leads on some of these other teams, and they and they somehow lose some of them too, but that's that's happening to the Chargers as well. So those should be some fun matchups for this Week 10 preview as well. So there we go with those. Here, here's my uh, here's something too, my midseason MVP, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, and rookie of the year award. So for MVP, here are my top three guys. I'm not gonna tell you who I think is in front because then you'll think I'm biased. But the the top three guys are Patrick Mahomes. He's he's gonna be in the comp MVP conversation every year until he retires. Aaron Rodgers is having a career, not a career year, is having a year like his MVP year. Pick one, 2011, 2014, Aaron Rodgers is having that kind of season. He's on pace for, never mind, I hate that stat. I hate when people say on pace for because there's still eight games, anything can happen. But still, Rodgers is having the same first half of a season as he did in the 2011, 2014 season. So he is having a fantastic MVP-like season. And then Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has 28 touchdowns already at the halfway point this season. He's got two big weapons on the outside in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and he has to carry this horrendous defense, like I just said, is the worst passing defense in the Super Bowl era. They're almost giving up they're giving up over 350 yards passing a game. So Russell Wilson has got to be in that MVP conversation. Other guys that people are mentioning too, not in my top three, but probably in the top five for sure. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, these guys are just having fantastic seasons as well. But those are, those are the three guys that I think are performing best at the halfway point of this NFL season at this point. Patrick Mahomes, he's only thrown one interception so far this season. That's like an Aaron Rodgers stat line right there. Aaron Rodgers has only thrown two interceptions, but still, of course, they'll point to Mahomes with the only the one. And then Russell Wilson carrying this Seahawks team. He just kind of had that, like I said, four turnover performance this past week, so that kind of hurt him a little bit. But we'll see if he's able to rebound. Still a lot of football left in this season, no doubt about it. On the other side of the ball, then, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett has forced more turnovers in eight games this season than the leader did in 16 games last year. I believe he has what they they call them turnover-worthy plays, so he could have a pressure on the quarterback that forces interception. 
he could have a strip sack force fumble. He could have a pressure that leads to a fumble kind of deal. But anyways, I believe he has nine of these, and he's missed a game in the season already. So nine of these turnover-forcing plays. So he, like I said, the pressure that forces an interception or he strip sacks the quarterback himself kind of deal. He's got nine of them in seven games. The leader last year had, I believe, seven. So Miles Garrett has been playing out of his mind. This dude is so athletic and fast. He's having he's he's a big reason why the Cleveland Browns are at five and three and in the playoff hunt right now. He is the catalyst on this defense and kind of kind of turning this defense around into a formidable defense at least. And then the offense still hasn't found their footing. Now with Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. I think that happened maybe two to three weeks ago. They'll be without him. They're getting another one of their weapons back in Nick Chubb, but this offense has been formidable as well. This is why they're a 5-3 and middle-of-the-road team. They're beating up on the bad teams, losing to the good teams. But when you when you have a favorable schedule like the Browns kind of do this season, when you beat the bad teams, you, you'll be able to make the playoffs if you, have, if you have more bad teams on your schedule. So that's completely fine with Cleveland. I'm sure they'll take a playoff appearance when they haven't had one since what was it now, 1990, boy, that's something I'll have to look up. But it's been a while, and Cleveland will absolutely take it. And one of the main reasons why they're in that position is because of Miles Garrett. Two other guys then, Aaron Donald, he's he's in the same category as Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be in this Defensive Player of the Year award for years to come. It's the same argument you have when you have LeBron James and or Michael Jordan or Mike Trout in the conversation for MVPs. They, people will say they're the best player. They deserve it every year. People will say they didn't have the best season. Is it the best season award? Is it the best player? Is it the most valuable player? Goodness, that's an annoying debate. But Aaron Donald will be in the discussion every year until he either gets injured or he retires most likely. And then my third guy for this is TJ Watt. I think TJ Watt is the best player on the best defense. People can argue Minka Fitzpatrick. I think TJ Watt is more important to that defense the way he's able to force pressure on the quarterback the way he helps in the run game as well I mean yeah Minka Fitzpatrick is absolutely electric and amazing in that secondary but I think TJ Watt is the best player on that defense and that's why I've got him in my top three for defensive player of the year offensive player of the year I hope they don't I think this is now turned into the MVP award has been a quarterback award and it's just that's the way it's going to be then the Offensive Player of the Year award will just go to the best skill guy, running back, or wide receiver. And I've got four names for your consideration right here. Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, and DK Metcalf. So Delvin Cook and Alvin Kamara have been carrying their offenses. I mean, the, the Saints, like I said, they've been without Michael Thomas, so Drew Brees hasn't been putting up the same numbers that Drew Brees usually does. So Alvin Kamara has taken over that load whether it be running, whether it be receiving, he'll he'll probably have over 100 receptions this year from the running back position. Delvin Cook has been able to do it on the ground. I think he's had two straight games over 150 yards rushing. I think he's had six touchdowns in his last two games. He had four against the Packers and then two this past week against the Lions. Delvin Cook has been incredible. And then Devontae Adams missing two games. I think he's had three games over 150 yards receiving already this season. He's got eight touchdowns. He's tied for the NFL lead, missing two games still as well. And then DK Metcalf, like I said, I don't know how he fell to the end of the second round in last year's draft. This was a guy that I wanted the Packers to take in the first round. 
And here he goes to the Seahawks in the end of the second round, and he's already in consideration for a top five wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, I think that I had this discussion actually with my brother the other day because he tried to bring up something about the Packers. But anyways, the discussion was the, the top five wide receivers in the NFL. And I said, the top four, I think, are pretty easy in terms of Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Devontae Adams. I think those four, you can debate the, the order. I think those are your top four wide receivers in the NFL. And then I said, I don't know who the fifth one is. There's a lot of guys you can choose from, from Stefan Diggs. I said, you can put DK Metcalf in that conversation. You can put Adam Thielen in that conversation, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I mean, do we do we add Antonio Brown back in there now that he's back in the league? I don't know if that counts. <laughs> that's another thing I missed while, oh my goodness, that's another thing I missed while I was on my lazy streak of, of not doing podcasts. Antonio Brown is back in the league with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I should have mentioned that when I said they were 6-3, and three, but yeah. Antonio Brown served his eight-game suspension, signed on with the new super team of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown at wide receiver, and they still got blown out by the New Orleans Saints, which was even better there. But still, do you you throw him into that conversation? There's guys like Keenan Allen as well, Tyreek Hill. Oh my goodness, Tyreek Hill could be a top five wide receiver. I think those are your top four, but then determining top five after that, and, and DK Metcalf has jumped his way into that conversation based off of the numbers that he's putting up this year. He's tied for the NFL lead in touchdown receptions. He's second in the NFL in receiving yards. He's just a big play waiting to happen. I'm sure you saw his chase down tackle on a on a saving a pick six for Russell Wilson, the way he able to track down Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals. That is probably one of the best plays of the year if not of the past five years, just the way he was able to track him down. That was insane. But that's why DK met that, that, that play does not put him in the offensive player of the year category or at the top of it. But I'm just saying the year he's having has been absolutely electric and he is so much fun to watch. I don't know how he fell at the end of the second round, but I'm very upset that the Packers did not draft him. <laughs> that's for sure. Okay. And then one last thing that I wanted to mention in terms of the NFL as well was in terms of the coronavirus and the NFL's plan on the back end of the season, if we have another outbreak where, like the one we had in Tennessee, when we had to actually reschedule a game for bye weeks. We are not all the way through bye weeks, but we're halfway through the season, so a lot of the teams have already had their bye week. What happens if a team or a game needs to be postponed, but the both teams already have, have used up their their bye weeks and we don't have that kind of deal? The only thing the NFL will do is they'll extend the season to 18 weeks. This is a backup plan. Their, their, their first plan is to play every game on schedule in 17 weeks, all 256 games, play them in the 17 weeks that are allotted, and then get to the playoffs. If that doesn't happen, the backup plan is to add an 18th week where we can push some of these games. And the games I'm talking about are the games that have playoff implications. So if it is the Giants and the Washington football team who are both right now two and seven or one of them's two and six but if those two can't play their game in week 13 or whenever they play again that game will not be rescheduled for week 18. We're talking about games where here's one for example the Packers play the Tennessee Titans week 16. Both teams look to be playoff teams right now the way they're performing. What if the Titans or the Packers I mean the Packers are in COVID hotspot central in Wisconsin right now as their numbers have just been exploding 
stay safe, Wisconsin. I, I'm rooting for you. Start turning it around, please. But still, what if Green Bay has their, their self-mini uh, outbreak being in Green Bay? And this is a game that has playoff implications, whether the Packers are vying for that number one seed. And remember, there's only one bye week this year. Right now, the Packers are tied for the number one seed at 6-2. and two. This would be a game then that they would push. They would add an 18th week. They would push it to week 18. Hopefully, both teams are able to go by then. But that is when they would add an 18th week. There is a second backup plan then if that is not, if they need to do more, if they can't reschedule some of these games. And that would be to add another playoff team. That would be eight teams per conference. Right now, they already extended it to seven at the beginning of this year. Remember, it used to be six. It used to be all four division winners in each conference and then two wildcard teams. This year, they added that third wildcard team, which then meant that there's only one bye week. What they would do this time is if they needed to in that 18th week wasn't enough, they would add in an eighth playoff team to kind of help with some tiebreakers. Say, for example, it's the Rams and the Bears, or I'm sorry, let's do the Cardinals and the Bears because those two teams haven't played this year. The Cardinals and the Bears are vying for that seventh playoff spot, but the Cardinals couldn't play a game because of a COVID outbreak. So they're, instead of being 10-6 and six or something, they're 9-6, and six, where the Bears then are 9-7 and seven or something like that. So there, there could be a tiebreaker implication. Instead, what they'll do is they'll add an eighth playoff team, and then both teams would get in. We don't have to worry about one team not playing a game and it kind of being unfair in that sense. So the NFL kind of has two backup plans in case the season needs them for COVID outbreaks in that sense. So the NFL looks to be being proactive right now. right? And and, and we've had positive tests for each team so far in this season. I, I don't know. That would be something interesting to look up right now. I should have done that. But I believe almost every team has had at least one player or a coach or some staff member go onto the COVID-19 reserve list, whether it be because they were in close contact with someone who tested positive or because they tested positive themselves and that landed them on that list. But everyone, I believe, has almost had at least one person go on that list. It's happened every week so far. A new team, someone has tested positive, someone's been put on this list. So they're, they're kind of being proactive in this case, but they've also continued to play these games even when these guys land on the list. One of the things is when a guy becomes, when they, they have the contact tracers, when someone is deemed in close contact with someone, they go on this list and they have to stay in quarantine for five days. So it's usually someone will go on the list like on Tuesday, perhaps if someone tests positive on Monday after their round of testing. If they go on on Tuesday or Monday night, Monday would be the first day technically because then they wouldn't come in on Tuesday they would be able to come off of that list after five days on Saturday. So big guy, big names, Ben Roethlisberger, for example, was on the list all this week. He didn't test positive, but he was in close contact. He'll be able to come off this list on Saturday, and he'll still be able to play Sunday, even though he wasn't in the building for the whole week. This happened to Matthew Stafford as well. They don't want to put teams out on the field if they're missing their starting quarterbacks. No starting quarterbacks have tested, knock on wood, positive. For COVID so far, but even with when guys like Marlon Humphrey, their best defensive player or one of their best defensive players on that Ravens team, he tested positive. He had to miss a game. So that's that's kind of how the NFL has been doing it. Guys can go on this list. You quarantine. You find out who they're in close contact with. You quarantine those guys as well. Then you continue on the week and you still play the game. The, the Las Vegas Raiders, for example, had almost their entire starting offensive line put on that list on Monday. 
they were able to come back and they played the game on Sunday, most of them, all except the guy that tested positive. So the NFL has put in a contingency plan for the end of the season if they need it, but the way they've been rolling right now is all these games continue to be played on schedule if they can in a safe manner. Seems to be working out so far. I mean, after that scheduling snafu and and all that stuff that they had to work through, did I just say snafu? I did. But after the the scheduling problems that they had (laughs) at the beginning of the season, I'm going to laugh at that for a little bit. At the they had at the beginning of the season they've been able to kind of solve them and move forward from there which is good to see so that's kind of our our first half wrap-up of the nfl season our mid-season recap right there so there there you have it next week we'll get into some of the week 10 results and we'll start to dive in more to see which teams are kind of heading for the playoffs so that'll be exciting good stuff from the nfl right there all right what else? Oh, we got more still. We got more college football updates. Here we go. Boy, it kind of looks bleak sometimes when you look at college football and, and some of the updates that have been going on. I mean, we have cancellations because there really isn't room in the schedule for some of these these conferences to reschedule some of these games. So, for example, the Big Ten, we, we talked about this one. I think we talked about this one. But when the Big Ten came back, Wisconsin had a fantastic opening week. Graham Mertz quarterback of the future for Wisconsin, then, of course, test positive after their first game where he threw five touchdowns, ruined all of our hopes and dreams in Wisconsin there of of them making the college football playoffs. Not his fault, of course. Wisconsin is going through uh, just a surge of cases right now. We just hope for the best there, and I hope everybody starts turning it around. I'm just, I'm just hoping and hoping there for their sake. But still, Graham Mertz tested positive, and then an outbreak started with the Badgers in over 25 cases, positive cases for the Badgers at one point. Even head coach Paul Chris tested positive. So they had to cancel two games against Nebraska and what was their other one? Purdue, I believe. So those two games are now gone. Wisconsin looks like they'll be able to play this upcoming week against Michigan. So hopefully, and Graham Mertz is expected to be back as well. But those two games against Nebraska and Purdue are lost for the season. In, on, in an already shortened season, they were supposed to have eight games, a sh- an eight-game shortened season. They've lost two more. So that's just something that the Big Ten, other conferences like the Pac-12, they have lost games this upcoming season. Utah was supposed to face off against UCLA. Arizona State was supposed to face off against Cal. Those have both been canceled. The Pac-12 actually then scheduled uh, UCLA versus Cal games since those two teams didn't have the COVID issues. But still, Alabama, LSU, that game has been postponed. The SEC at least is able to postpone games because for now. This is just for now because they at least started early enough to leave some room in the schedule for some of these to push back some of these games. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did not. They started so late because they both canceled their seasons prematurely. Then they saw that the SEC, the Big 12, and the NFL were able to come back and safely start to play football. I mean, you're going to have some COVID cases. I mean, look at this one, for example. Clemson lost their starting quarterback. This guy, Trevor Lawrence, is going to be the number one pick in this upcoming draft. He hasn't declared yet, but he will. He'll be the number one pick, unless it's the Jets. Then hope maybe he can work his way and pull in Eli Manning and not go to the New York Jets. But still, Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick whenever he enters the NFL draft. How about that? He had to miss two games, one of them against a top-five opponent. Clemson was ranked number one. Notre Dame was ranked number four, and he had to miss that game due to 
a COVID issue. So, I mean, teams have to keep moving along with this. But when you have an outbreak of 20-plus players, it's not safe to play in that game because more guys could pop up later in the week. Some guys test come back negative one day, but it'll be positive the next day kind of deal. And when that happens and you have to cancel games like Wisconsin, Alabama, LSU, the Pac-12 teams, and actually now Ohio State has had not because they tested positive, but their opponent tested positive. That's a game Ohio State won't be able to get back. This is because of the late scheduling that the Big Ten did, and it's just something that I've, uh, you guys have heard me harp about a few times on here <laughs> on how the Big Ten and the Pac-12 kind of handled their scheduling right there. Should I say snafu again? I'm just going to keep, <laughs> I'm just going to, that's going to be stuck in my head for a while that I said that. But anyways, so that's something that all of these conferences are starting to experience and have to work their way around. The reason the Big Ten came back was because they knew Ohio State had a chance to be in the college football playoffs. They have a really good chance. And then they had a really good chance of being the college football champions. That's one of the reasons they came back. They wanted that revenue for the conference. But now here they are with Ohio State having to cancel one of their games, and they won't be able to make it up. So what will they do? There's a lot of good teams in the SEC, Florida, Alabama. Will they put in two SEC teams if they're both undefeated? Or I'm sorry, what if Alabama's undefeated? They're in. What if Florida is 9-1 and one with their only loss being a close loss to Alabama? Will they put Florida in over Ohio State, who is 7-0? and oh? I mean, they only have seven games, where on the other hand, Florida had played three more games and had one loss to close the number one team in, in college football, Alabama. This is kind of the predicament that the Big Ten has put themselves in with their scheduling and, and these games now being canceled. Hmm. We'll have to see how that works out for them, but this is why I have been so upset and disappointed and why the season was canceled back in August, and then they decided to bring it back and try to fit in, just try to pack in eight games in such a short time frame when it might not work out for them, and, and it might be, it might not be, I mean, the reason they came back was to get Ohio State into the playoffs, and it might hurt their chances the way they played all this out. Who knows? But we'll have to see. But the good news is, this is what I'm excited for. Badger football is back this weekend. Like I said, number 13 in the country. <laughs> 1-0 and because their two most recent games have been canceled. But they're 13 in the country. They're facing a Michigan team that has been nothing like anyone expected this season. They, I, what are they? Are they? Do they have a win yet this year? They have lost some embarrassing games to start this season. Graham Mertz is likely to play. Badgers? They'll only have six games this season, but they still have a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship. No more cancellations for the Wisconsin football team. And that and the problem with that is some of it can't be controlled by them. I just mentioned it with Ohio State. Ohio State is ready to play this weekend. Their opponent is not because their opponent has had a coronavirus outbreak. It's not the team's fault. I'm sure it's, it's just something that it's going to happen when you send all these kids back to college. I mean, what did they expect? But, I mean, that's what the problem is. Oh, Wisconsin could be ready to play. Ohio State is ready to play. But yet their game is canceled because of their opponent's situation. So we'll have to see. But oh, Wisconsin, back this weekend. I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. I've missed it, and I just want to see Graham Mertz sling the football 25 times and only have, like, zero incompletions because that's basically what's going to happen every time he's out there. And like I mentioned, Clemson had to had to play two games without their starting quarterback Trevor Lawrence. So we'll see. We'll see. 
right now, here are your top 25 teams in college football. I'll, I'll just name like the top 15. Alabama, number one, six and oh. See, look at this. Alabama and Notre Dame, one and two, six and oh, seven and oh. And then you've got Wisconsin and Oregon in the top 15, and they've only played one game or they're one and oh. Ohio State is third and they're three and oh. Clemson at seven and one. So look at this. Florida, four and one right now, and Clemson, seven and one. Would they put these teams in over Ohio State if Ohio State is, say, six and oh, and they have the Big Ten championship? That's a realistic question. Clemson could play over 10 games this season. They've already played eight games, and, and here's Ohio State missing their fourth game now. Wisconsin is playing their second game of the season, and Clemson has eight games into their season. BYU is 8-0. It's just uh, there's a lot of non-continuity going on between these conferences. They really all should have worked together like that's ever going to happen, though. But anyways... Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Ohio State 3, Clemson at 4, Texas A&M at 5, Florida at 6, Cincinnati, look at this, Cincinnati at 7, BYU is 8-0, they have a fantastic quarterback in Zach Wilson, probably going to be a a first-round pick this year, the way that he's been playing, he's a Heisman candidate, they're at number 8, University of Miami, they're at number 9, Indiana, Big Ten's Indiana. Who have they? They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Penn State. Penn State hasn't won a game this year. Penn State is 0-3 right now. This is incredible. But Indiana is ranked 10th in the country right now. They're ahead of Wisconsin in the ranking. So Indiana at 10. Oregon. <laughs> Oregon at 1-0 is 11. Georgia with two losses. This is your number one two-loss team at 12. But, I mean, heck, Wisconsin's 1-0 and they're at 13. I really can't argue that they put Georgia ahead of them. They have two losses, but they've had six games. So, I mean, fair enough. And then you've got Oklahoma State at 14. And then here you go, Coastal Carolina University at 7-0. and They're at 15, and they just had their game canceled this upcoming week. So there goes there any hope of working their way into the top five, possibly as one of those. Like you remember, uh, who was it? Florida Atlantic, not Florida Atlantic. UCF maybe was it? The, the, the non-Power 5 team that was always – in the top eight or something like that, and everybody always wanted them to give it a shot of putting them in the college football playoffs. But either way, that's your top 15 right now in terms of college football teams. So we'll see how how this all gets settled out. They've actually been talking as well about pushing back the college football playoffs if they need to. That would work out great for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 teams that are trying to fit in a season if they want to put some of these postponed games or canceled games at the end of the year, they can try to do that. We'll see. But cases are, but COVID cases are surging all across the country. So I don't know if if pushing stuff back is necessarily going to make it better. But you can only hope. I mean, I'm not going to talk about it. But Pfizer pharmaceutical companies just came out and and talking about their uh, vaccine that could possibly be out soon. So there's that hope too. We can always cling to hope, people. Don't don't forget about that in terms of how we can finish some of these seasons. But there we go. We can cling to that hope for now. So that's our college football update, and and we'll be able to dive into this more week in and week out and some of the games, actually, and talk about some of these these scores. Like, I really want to dive into Indiana right now. They are a top-10 team in the country. That is is exciting stuff, and so I'll be able to do more research on that, and and we'll see, actually. They, They get to face Ohio State this year. Hopefully that game won't get canceled. But still, we'll, we'll be able to dive more into college basketball on a game-per-game basis and a week-per-week basis 
starting next week as well. All right. One more thing here before we get to my final thought and final, final thought on this episode. College basketball just on the horizon. But here's the thing for college basketball. They have now watched the most games played in the college football season right now is up to eight. What has college basketball been able to learn and what can they take away from college football to try and avoid some of these cancellations, postponements that football has had to endure? One advantage that they already have is they're most likely going to start their seasons on time. Boom, big check mark right there because if you do need to postpone games, and a lot of these teams will, it's just inevitable. The team might not do anything wrong. Just some people will get this virus. It's just that's how this virus is. It doesn't discriminate against anybody. It goes, it can get you whether you're in a bar where bars are open or whether you're in a hazmat, not in a hazmat suit. But if you're wearing all the precautions, you're wearing the mask and you're in a grocery store. This is not me advocating for don't wear your mask or don't take the precautions. I'm just saying it can still get you. Absolutely still wear your mask, please. Like it actually, it absolutely helps. But anyways, teams will still have postponed games in the college basketball season, but starting their season on time allows them the whole season where there are breaks in the season where they can fill in some of those breaks with these postponed games. That's a big checkmark win for college basketball right there. What else have they been able to learn from that? Maybe they can do more testing and maybe they can do what the NFL has done with the contact tracing. I don't think that's going to work because these are college football athletes. When they go back, maybe they go back to their apartments. Their apartments have other students who are going to parties and such like that. That's going to be hard to stop. But that's uh, they, what, what college basketball has to answer is, what can we do different than college football or some of these college football places to avoid cancellation after cancellation? Like, for example, the Badgers had to cancel two games. Is it possible that they could ease up on the restrictions of 21 days that these guys have to be on the list? The NFL has it, the close contact at five. I believe if you test positive for COVID-19 and then you test negative, I think it's two weeks, 14 or 10 to 14 days. That has been the guidelines everywhere else. Maybe that's what college basketball can do as well. Because, I mean, there's less players on a basketball team. So if you lose, say, up to four guys and you have a 14 or you lose five guys, and you only have 14 guys on the team, I mean, that's going to be pretty tough. I mean, we've seen teams do it with only eight guys, and a lot of teams only play eight guys. But what if it's your starting five? So that's something that college basketball is going to have to answer before their season gets started. Good note, though, here. Badgers, top 10, number seven preseason ranking right there. Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, Demetric Trice. If you guys remember last year, I actually, if you remember last season, not last year, Remember last season, the Wisconsin Badgers were ESPN's simulated champions. I mentioned this on the podcast way back in April or March. I think it was back in April, whenever the the tournament got canceled. Wisconsin, ESPN simulated champions. So this year, they're going for the real thing. They're going to be Big Ten champions. They were Big Ten champions last year. They they were able to secure that before the season got canceled. This year, they're going Big Ten champions. They're going NCAA champions as well. Mark it down, ESPN Simulated Champions 2020, ESPN's NCAA's True Champions 2021, Wisconsin Badgers. You can bet it right there. All right. Let's get to my final thought then for this episode on the final, final podcast. 
the Masters. I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. We have the Masters playing, being played in November going on right now. Of course, it's 2020, so we have the Masters usually in, I believe it's in April. Usually in April. Now we get it in November. Masters weekend, they just, well, they actually aren't finished with uh, round two. They were supposed to finish round two today. But because of daylight savings time, we literally only get like what? A couple hours of daylight now these time these days so i mean they have to they, they run out of daylight so quickly even in florida believe it or not so they had to postpone round two till tomorrow but doesn't matter tiger woods currently in the hunt i think he's at minus four the leaders are at minus nine and he hasn't finished his second round yet he's still got nine holes on his second round so i mean in the back nine is where they said this week a lot of players are making up some of these strokes so he has a chance to pull within a few strokes of these leaders come the end of his second round and then just start rolling into his third round on the same day tomorrow. But this is not this is the point that I want to make. I'm starting to think that whenever Tiger plays in the Masters, no matter how old he gets, I think he can play in the Masters forever since he has he has five green jackets now, so five wins there. No matter how old he gets or how bad he's been playing up to the Masters when they start, you have to bet on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. This is just one of those things where he could take he it's just is just his best tournament. It doesn't matter how well he was playing last week. It doesn't matter how well he was playing the entire year leading up to it. The Masters is where Tiger shines. And it's showing again this year. I mean, everybody's been talking about he missed a cut here. He struggled in this tournament here. But when it comes to the Masters, Tiger is always in the hunt. As simple as that. I mean, you put money on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. One, because he's your favorite golfer, and two, because it seems like a good bet to make every year now. It doesn't. I mean, when he was coming back off of surgeries, Masters was his best tournament every year. Man, I love watching Tiger golf. It's just so exciting. The only disappointing thing about the Masters, not the only disappointing thing, but the disappointing thing is we won't be able to see Tiger perform in front of the large crowd. That's one of the coolest things is to watch is when Tiger hits a great shot. Of course, they call it, they call it the Tiger Roar then. When he hits a great shot and the entire crowd erupts, he is just one of those guys that you see it in athletes all the time, but he just feeds off of that so well. And then it's just got to be such an intimidating factor for whoever he's golfing with. And if it's if he's golfing on Sunday, that guy is probably in contention too. And when he doesn't have to do anything and the crowd can intimidate his opponent like that, that is just one of the coolest things to watch. And I mean, last year we got that historic fifth green jacket for Tiger Woods. I think he's three three major championships away from tying Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus has 18, Tiger Woods has 15. So, I mean, if he has to just win three more <laughs> green jackets to tie him, he'll do it. But, I mean, the Masters is, is so much fun to watch. I believe right now, if I look at the leaderboard, Tiger Woods, like I mentioned, he's at minus four. Some of the leaders at the top, I think Dustin Johnson is tied for the lead at minus nine. Justin Thomas is another guy up there. John Rahm at minus eight is tied in inside the top five. We've got some newcomers as well. But Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Louis Oosthuizen, and then, hey, Phil Mickelson right there near the end. Um, he's at minus six, or he's at minus five as well. And then Tiger Woods, he's still got nine holes to play. Let's see. Where is it? Yeah, he's still got eight holes to play. He's got the back nine to play for his second round still, and he's at minus four. So he could pick up a few shots leading into the start of his third round. And who knows, he could be up near minus six or seven by the time his third round starts and the leaders are at minus nine. 
who knows? I mean, if Tiger wins again, this will be the biggest story in, in sports, no matter what happens on Sunday in terms of football, no matter what happens on Sunday in terms of NBA trades or MLB news. It'll be Tiger Woods, so that'll be really exciting to watch and fun this weekend for sure. Big, big Sunday with NFL football, and then, of course, Tiger Woods in the hunt at the Masters. Knock on wood, he continues to play well there. All right, last thing then for this episode of the final, final podcast. Here's my final, final thought for this long episode. Thanks for sticking with me, everyone, but here's my final, final thought for today. Two great legends that we lost this week in their own respective rights. Paul Horning, all-time Green Bay Packer, all-time NFL legend and college football legend. Paul Horning lost today. Actually, today, yeah. He died today at the age of 84. Um, And then Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, everybody's favorite game time or game show host. Alex Trebek died this past Sunday at 80. And believe it or not, so I, of course, I've mentioned that I live out here in L.A. now. Last year, I actually got to go watch a live recording of Jeopardy. I got to sit and be a part of the stands where the, where the where they have a live audience. And I actually got to be a part of that for, I believe they recorded two episodes in the time. So we were there for, we get there like an hour and a half, or we get there and we're there for an hour and a half. We tour the entire set. And then we sit down, we watch Jeopardy. And, and while they're recording Jeopardy, they actually pause for when they're going to do commercial breaks. And Alex Trebek comes over to the live audience and he says, ask me any question you want. So for about five minutes or so in between these commercials, people get to fire questions at him. He answers all the questions. And it was just one of the coolest things to experience for sure, Alex Trebek. And then, of course, we lost him just too soon at the age of 80. I think he uh, succumbed to what kind of some kind of cancer. But still, man, that was one of the coolest things just to watch Jeopardy live. And, and, and you get to see right in front of you the guy that says, this is Jeopardy to start off the episode. You see him do that. Alex Trebek walk out on stage. And then you get to see the contestants, and you just watch the whole show. So that was definitely one of the coolest things that I got to do when I just first moved out here. Maybe like two months or three months in, in, into when I first moved out to L.A., I got to go watch Jeopardy live. And, man, um, very some, something very cool for sure and something I won't forget and and. It's cool that it was, it's unfortunate, but that I was one of the, the last ones to do it since we lost Alex Trebek. So two great legends. Um, we wish the best for their families as well, but Paul Horning and Alex Trebek lost this past week. 2020 just really uh, taken it all from us this year, hasn't Not many wins, but we'll start to turn it around for sure come 2021. I promise you that. All right, that is all I have for you on this episode of the final final podcast we'll get back into the regular taping and regular releases of this episode starting next week i promise i'm going to pull myself out of that laziness funk that i had but still we'll get into nfl weekly updates we'll get to the week 10 results and we'll see where we're positioning ourselves for the playoffs hopefully we get to play and we get to play all those games as well college football as well we'll see where we are after this week in terms of teams that are playing and where we're starting to line ourselves up in terms of teams that are trying to get into that college football playoffs. And we'll discuss even further which teams can in terms of how many games they've played and if one loss for a 10-game schedule is better than an undefeated six-game schedule. We'll discuss that more as well. And then we'll discuss the NBA free agency as well in the start of the 2021 NBA season. We'll also have the NBA draft to discuss 
as well come next week. So make sure you tune in or you listen to next week's episode as well. Thanks for sticking with me on this episode of the final, final podcast. Long one here, but I appreciate you all listening through the whole thing. All right. That's all I have for you here. Stay safe, stay safe, everyone. Stay sane as well as COVID cases surge. And uh, hopefully we'll start to turn it around here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. And that is the final, final.